She's Kylan Mills. I'm Cyrus Otzes. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow Kylan Mills on all social media platforms at her name. It's super easy. Kylan Mills. You can follow me, Cyrus Otzes, on threads and Instagram at Dog Wild. Uh, Kylan, how are you doing? What's going on? Uh, it is the last day of July. Part of me thinks, wow, like where's the time going? The other part of me is hoping for like September, October, because I'm getting tired of sweating in my house. I am miserable right now. Uh, <laughs> I hope it isn't showing the camera. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not comfortable in my own home and I hate being in that position. So I'm conflicted. How are you? <laughs> no, I agree. And the thing that's crazy to me, we've talked about this before, is that so many places in the Bay Area don't have air conditioning. It still gets hot. Like I have also been very hot the last couple of weeks, but I also have been very sleep deprived because I'm, I've been staying up late to watch the World Cup. So any World Cup fans out there, you know what it's like. The U.S. Women's National Team plays tonight at midnight. Can't miss that. And then there have just been a lot of games happening overnight. So that's the one thing about the World Cup. I mean, the Olympics are the same way, but I feel like with the Olympics, they do a good job of like planning. They re-air all of the broadcast during like prime time. But for the World Cup, like you legit have to stay up overnight to watch a lot of these games. So uh, right. for soccer fans, it's a time of no sleep uh, right around now with with uh, the tournament being played in Australia. So good, but getting ready for a late night to watch the U.S. take on Portugal. Well, why don't you promote that right now? I mean, there isn't a whole lot going on with the Warriors. This is, without a doubt, the deadest time of year. Um, anyone who's like us who's hosting a program, uh, we're, we're forcing this, folks. I mean, you know, we're like there is just nothing really new to promote. We're going to cover a few interesting, interesting things on the show today. But before we get into the Warriors talk, you're hosting a watch party tonight for the U.S. Women's uh, World Cup team. Huge game, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, if they lose, they're out. So, Detail preview, go for it, Tyler. This is the first time, is it the actual first time? It's the first time in a long time. I'm trying to remember. I just read an article. But the first time in a long time, the U.S. could be eliminated in a group stage match. So it's huge. It's the last group stage match before advancing. Hopefully, they face Portugal. If they lose, they're eliminated. But they, like, haven't faced an elimination group stage match. Gosh, now i got to find the article because I read it and I was like, whoa. But they're so dominant, they usually, you know, never have an issue. Kind of like the Warriors, no dynasty. Uh, but yes, hosting a watch party at PayPal Park where the San Jose Earthquakes play. So that's the only thing. Down in San Jose, uh, Bay FC, the NWSL team that's going to be starting here in the Bay Area, I know is also having a watch party in San Francisco. So there's a couple going on around the Bay if you're trying to stay out late. But uh, at PayPal, there have been good turnouts for the last couple ones. Of course, they're also those were games that kicked off at 6 p.m. instead of midnight. So we'll see how it goes, the midnight kick. But uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun and, you know, just an excuse to get out and watch the game. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch tonight. Um, the stakes are very high. Um, Daniel Reed, by the way, uh, I'm I, I'm glad he wrote this because I want to ask you this, Kylan. Daniel writes, are you watching Steph's series? I thought it was a movie. It, it, maybe I guess it's a series. I'm not educated on this. Um, I was going to wait at some point to watch. Are you watching? The, it's called what is it? Underrated? Am I mistaken on that? Are you watching this, Kylan? 
I haven't watched yet. Have you? No. Um, here's what I'm going to do. This is uh, We're going to uh, try something new here, folks, on the show. I'm going to post a, a link to the chat. Um, Daniel or anyone else, if you want to join the show right now and give us your recap of Stephen Curry's. Again, I thought it was a documentary. Maybe it's a docu-series. I, I, I know nothing about it. Um, I was going to watch it at some point. Uh, Daniel, click on that link if you want to jump in. Anyone else, if you want to jump in and just give your thoughts. The phone lines are open, folks. Uh, just click on that link. We'll I bring thought it you was in. a movie. I thought it was a movie. That's now what I'm I thought, too. Up. That's what I thought, I mean, too. like a docu-style movie, but still, I thought it was just a one-parter. That's what I thought. So uh, that's why I'm hoping Daniel uh, takes up our, our invite uh, and joins in. And look, if anyone else has seen it um, or wants to talk Warriors, phone lines are open. And I'm saying that uh, metaphorically. Obviously, click on the link in the chat, um, and we'll bring you on, man. Let's do this. Why not? Uh, while we're waiting to see if anyone wants to join us, um, I want to play this clip. Stephen Curry was has been doing the rounds uh, in terms of media, and uh, he was on the Today Show, and he was asked uh, a fun question, which is, who are your toughest defenders? Um, and, Kylan, before I play this, who do you think – have you heard this yet? Do you know what he says? No, I haven't heard it, so this is okay. going to be interesting. So before I play this, who would you guess he's going to say? He's gonna He lists three names. Who do you who would you guess are the three players before I play the soundbite? Uh maybe Marcus Smart. Okay. I feel like he seemed like he got under the Warrior skin a little bit in that. Okay, that's one. And, and because like there's also recency, you know. Um, but all time. I mean, the yeah. thing is, like Steph's career has been so long at this it point. Like, who was around back a decade ago? It's it's um, uh, 2009 is when Stephen Curry entered the NBA. So you're right. It, it, that, and that's that what does, I'm saying. I'm like, dude, I'm like, what about 13, 14 years ago? Like, who you should think about 13, 14 years ago because he does ta he does go back. Really? Um, All right. I go, don't know. Just tell think me. way okay. back. Think back to those early days. Like, so who the best defenders in the NBA were back then? Because he he taps into uh, the time machine. So any come on, just give me a guess. Throw a couple more names out. You you who who else do you think Steph? You you listen, Marcus Smart. Good guess. I don't know. The other two? I don't know. Uh, from back in, oh God, from like 2010? Nine, even 2009. Nine? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, we'll I'll, I'll play right now. It's because uh, I can't see it because I already, already listened to it. But um, here is, uh, what am I doing here? Okay, so here is Stephen Curry. Um, revealing to the Today Show, uh, who his picks are. Well, here it is. Who his picks are for who? who I'm sorry, not who his picks. Who, in his opinion, are the toughest defenders he has ever faced in his illustrious career? Here's Stephen Curry. How about the toughest defender to play against? There's a, a group of three that um, always, you know, the light bulb went off when they were on the court. It's Drew Holiday, Tony Allen. Mm. And Ron Artest, actually, I didn't get to play too many games really? against him, but he was, he had the strongest hands you've ever seen in your life. If you put the ball around him, he'd just smack it right out of your hand. You're, you're muted. Sorry. That didn't surprise me. Thank you. That didn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, Tony Allen is notorious. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. to me, he's going to go down as one of the greatest defenders ever. Um, I always sing Ron Artest praises. To me, he was, he's an unsung hero of those uh, two Lakers title teams. I mean, he was the Draymond Green 
for Kobe Bryant in terms of the enforcer, the, the mentally tough, semi-crazy individual. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on who Steph mentioned there? Those were interesting. Um, I guess I just like didn't really think of, you know, for example, like Ron Artest because he's a forward. I was like trying to think in terms of guards or point guards who would have been more matched up with Steph uh, physically, although, you yeah. know. Most teams throw the kitchen sink, whoever can stop Steph. But I just, I wasn't even thinking along those lines. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, he, he was, he was, I agree. He was underrated, I think, um, and a great defender. So interesting though. I just like, those weren't the names that would have come to mind, like at all. Yeah. Drew Holiday was a, was a bit of a surprise too. I mean, yeah. his, his, his prowess is well known, but I, I've never really seen Drew Holiday like lock down Steph. I've never... No, I don't know. I don't recall ever I never since... noticed any kind of like because to, to me, like I remember specifically, I was like, God, watching that Celtic series and be like, Marcus Smart just won't go away. But like, I'm trying to think of that. I mean, I guess apparently Holiday did something, but I'm like, I don't feel like anything stands out, you know? Yeah, it, but Drew Holiday is a phenomenal defender. You know, this is he it is, brings up. He is. Yeah, he's he is absolutely. Is. It brings up an interesting point. I I've been arguing for years that's, that uh, Draymond Green to me is grossly underrated as a defender. Uh, might be a weird thing to say, given everyone knows how good of a defender he is. Um, but he only has one defensive player of the year award. I feel like uh, uh, he got routinely screwed over by Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, to me, is so overrated, both as a defender and as a player overall. Um, to me, it's blasphemy that that Rudy Gobert has, what, three defensive player of the year to so just one uh, for Draymond Green. Um, I, to, Draymond Green is just not recognized enough as a defensive player. I really believe that he is going to go down as one of the three greatest defenders of all time. He's one of the very few players in the NBA in its history who can guard one through five, right? That is just so hard yeah. to find. Um, do you agree with that sentiment? What are your thoughts on what I just said, Kylan? Yeah, I agree. I think that Draymond Green should be a hall of famer. Um, I think he should go down as one of the best defenders in history because of what you said. I mean, the versatility is something that you don't see in the NBA. He can play the small ball five. He can lock down guys out on the perimeter. Um, so I, I would agree um, with everything you said that I, I don't know though, because I do feel like he does get a lot of praise for his defending. So I don't know if he's overrated per se, but I think that he needs to be a hall of famer. Um, yeah. And I do think that he is, he will go down as one of the greatest defenders in the game for sure. Yeah. I, and the reason why, again, I, I say that you're right. Everyone recognizes him in terms of how good of a defender he is, except for the media members who vote at the end of every season. Um, what, just having just one defensive player of the year award to me just really is, is, is yeah. an insult. I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm trying to look up like how many defensive player of the year awards he's won total. I'm trying to, Look that up here is here. Here it is right here. So he's a he's a two time all NBA selection. That's actually fascinating. Um, and then he's I been, thought he only won it once. Did he? Correct. He's, he's, he's only won defensive award. player of the year, but he's been all NBA. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no it's okay. Yeah, he, the two all NBA selections are actually like I just saw that looking it up, and that's uh, I forgot about that. That's that's incredible. But he won the defensive player of the year award in 2017. He's an eight time NBA all defensive selection, four times on the first team in 2015, 16, 17, and then 2021. And then four times he was on the second team, 2018, 19, 22, 2023. Uh, the part where I guess I'm saying he's underrated is, A, to have just one Defensive Player of the Year award, that's blasphemy. And two, 2018, he was on the second team? 2019, 2022, 2023? Like, 
who is deserving of going on the first team ahead of him? Like, that's why I'm saying, like, he, despite the fact that he's universally recognized for being an incredible defender, how is he not getting the first team every single year? How does he only have one defensive player of the year award? Um, I don't know. Who are that, some that of the other players who won defensive player of the year in, in like question. during the championship run? I'm just curious, like, was it if it was egregious in terms of Draymond bring out being overlooked? That's a great question. Well, like I said, I, I know Rudy Gobert uh won the award, I believe, three times. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what those years were, I feel like those are stolen from from yeah. Draymond Green. All right, I so agree. I think that's right here. Uh, since Draymond Green started playing, in fact, you know, why don't we get to the list when we come back? Uh, got to give Perfect. some love to a sponsor of ours. That'll be our official tease. Um, and and the sponsor is, of course, FanDuel. Uh, Kylan, do you know what the what the line is for tonight? If someone wants to bet, uh, they want to use the FanDuel Sportsbook. Any clues on on how big of a favorite the U.S. is? Like, And if you don't know for certain, what would you guess the line is for the U.S. match tonight? I'm trying to look it up as fast as I can. Um, I mean, well, definitely, I'll, I'll, if I had to guess... Yep. Like 400 maybe would be the U.S. Um, okay. So they'd be like a minus 400. Um, yeah, minus 400. Sorry, minus 400. Let me look. I like that. Well, while you're doing that, I'll I'll, I'll uh, dive into FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. You can take first swing. It's baseball season right now. Um, at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel, and you can get up to 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you can land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting on everything from the money line uh, to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of the game. And all of that is on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. And it's not just baseball you can bet on. It's also World Cup soccer. Uh, Kylan, do you have the line? Yeah, I have the line. All right, folks, if you want to bet on the U.S. Women's National Team game against Portugal, huge group stage matchup, elimination on the line, Portugal plus 1,200, U.S. minus 410, a draw is plus 420. I'm putting my money on the U.S. Women's National Team. They rise to the occasion. They know that their backs are against the wall in this situation. They're going to come out and win. They're the favorites for a reason. They have a better lineup from top to bottom. Portugal is never first of all, played in the World Cup until this year, or this is their first year, and they've never advanced. So U.S. is everything in their favor. However, the spread is minus one and a half U.S., and I don't feel great about that because the U.S. has been struggling to score goals quite a bit throughout this tournament. I mean, at least through those first two games, they struggled against the Netherlands. Uh, They created a ton of chances but couldn't finish. Then against Vietnam, they scored three goals but took 28 shots, which is not a good ratio at all in professional soccer. So I would go with the under on the spread, but I would put my money on the U.S. And Uh, and that's the way to go. And by the way, great call on the minus 400. You were just, you were barely off there. Uh, Retzel is asking if the U.S. woman's team is the top seed if that's a thing so coming into the tournament they were ranked first in the fifa world ranking so there are rankings that are updated throughout the season based on the way teams finish in international friendlies and different competitions throughout the year um you know they do like a she believes international cup um and they were ranked one coming into the tournament so yeah um 
Portugal was somewhere in the 20s. Vietnam was 32. Netherlands was ranked ninth coming into the tournament. There, and, and, and real quick, my question, if they draw, are they going to advance or do they have to win? If they draw, they will advance. Okay, so they just have to tie or win. Okay, so, all right, that, that's, that's a little relieving. Because they beat Vietnam by more than Portugal beat Vietnam. So if they were to tie, they should... Well, Portugal lost anyway. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they advance if they tie. They advance okay. if they tie. I know that much. Well, and, and there's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball and World Cup soccer yes, than Yes, so what Ace said is true. There aren't really seeds in the World Cup. Sorry. There aren't That's really good. seeds in the World Cup, but just if you want to look at the world rankings and where the teams are stacking up, they do release one like right before the tournament starts. Right. I, there's seedings for each individual draw, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't know. And, but I could even be even be wrong on that, to be honest. Um, but regardless, you can bet on it, uh, on that, Major League Baseball, and so much more with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and World Cup Soccer. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts for the everydayers. Follow us on Twitter. The program is still there uh, at Locked On Dubs. We announce all our upcoming shows, our guests. Uh, we had no idea when we were going live today, so sorry for not tweeting that beforehand. Um, uh, this was a fairly impromptu show. You can follow Kylan Mills on all social media platforms at Kylan Mills. Super easy. Her name. Um, so here are the, uh, the the recent award winners for the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, in 2012, uh, it was Tyson Chandler. Uh, Draymond Green was not a starter yet at that point. Uh, 2013 was Mark Gasol. I wonder what he's doing these days. I mean, I, I yeah, feel, seriously. Yeah, you feel like he's still playing the NBA. Uh, 2014 is uh, Joakim Noah. Um, that's an interesting one. Uh, 2015 and 16, and, and there, there's no argument for me for this one. I, I do think Kawhi Leonard. He wanted both those mm. years. Yeah, um, and that's fair. I, I, I. I I do think he was a smidge better than Draymond Green. But then 2017, uh, Draymond Green won the Draymond award. Now, where won, I think yeah. Draymond was robbed uh, was 2018 and 2019, yeah. where they gave the award to Rudy Gobert. Mm, um, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. No, that's just, that's asinine. Um, Rudy Gobert, like, regardless of his block numbers or whatever you're basing but that. He won it again about. after that, didn't he? Yes, he did. He also oh. won in, in 2020. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo wanted um and look that fine but then make sure at least Draymond's getting first team all defense in those years like in 2020 for example he was not even on any all defensive selection all the 2020 was an awful year so maybe that kind of makes sense but regardless uh 2021 Rudy Gobert wanted again just utterly asinine that's um, what I was just thinking of because I feel like in 2021 I was like really again yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know what the hell, uh, you know, our, our media counterparts are thinking. And the 2022 mark is smart. This uh, last year, Jaron Jackson Jr. won it. Yeah, so one defensive player of the award, player of the year award is just uh, not cool. Not cool at all. So um, any last thoughts before we move on, on on Draymond Green's defensive prowess, Kylan? No, I mean, I think he's still in great form in his defensive efforts which is pretty incredible given that he's getting up there in age is Draymond 35 now how old is he 33 
33 going on 34 this year. Okay, right? I was saying he turns 34. I, I always forget just because like him, Clay, and a Steph are all like lined up right in that like mid-30s range. But yeah, I mean, he still, you know, is really top-notch physically, I think, for being in his mid-30s. Um, so yeah. good on him. Yeah, that, that back problem, which uh, really concerned me, shockingly, was not much of a concern yeah. this last year. Yeah. I think he missed one game because of like calf tightness. We never really no, found out if it was related healthy. to his back. He was healthy but, yeah, overall. Absolutely right. Um, and I'm totally with AC that the media can be really lazy in terms of their votes. And I mean, just this last year, for example, there was a whole brouhaha uh, surrounding Mark Jackson, who did not put uh, Nikola Jokic in his top five in MVP voting. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then just said he forgot. That was his reasoning. Did so, you yeah, see so I'm, today I'm, that Mark Jackson got let go? Well, I was going to get into that next. Yeah. Oh, um, oh you were. Stop it. Yeah, I it's all right. It's okay. It's not, no big deal. I, I, but yes, real quick, I before that, we get into right, that. I knew that was coming. I just. No, no big deal. But I, I'm very curious I here. Uh, I Ginji... spoiled our own show that I knew about. <laughs> but Ginji Gok writes, Dre is good at defense, but not a top five defensive player. Um, Ginji, if he's not a top five defensive player, who are the five players you're putting ahead of him? Um, I wholeheartedly do not disagree, uh, do not agree with that sentiment. I, I, I don't understand. First of all, like, um, Ginji, he can guard Anthony Davis. Um, I don't know where you're getting that from. If you're referring to the most recent season in that Lakers series, uh, look, Dre had his hands full. Dre's like one of the only bigs on this entire team. He wasn't matched up with Draymond for, for I'm sorry. He wasn't matched up Dre with was uh, the only player who was even semi-effective on AD. Exactly. Remember the Warriors had to switch to putting Dre at the five because he was the only one who could slow Anthony Davis down. Um, exactly. So it wasn't actually Draymond's fault when AD initially came out in that first game and dropped like 30, 20 or whatever his ridiculous stat line was. That's mostly because Draymond wasn't guarding him the entire game when they switched. It definitely helped. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, and AP, AB Prep Boy 33 writes that Anthony Davis scored on him very easily. The Warriors lost to a seventh seed. Um, but to, to put that on Draymond when he was surrounded by diminutive players, there was no size around him. There was no other elite defensive players around him. Andrew Wiggins was not himself. Gary Payne II was not himself. Um, you know, oftentimes you had lineups where Kevon Looney and Draymond were not even on the court together. Um, you know, for anyone who thinks yeah. he's, not a, he's not a top five defensive player and he can't guard seven footers, just look back a year earlier and look at what he did on Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. I mean, mm -hmm. he actually held his own. Look at how he's handled Anthony Davis every other year, except for this last season. Now, yeah. if you want to make the argument that Draymond's regressing, maybe that's all of the discussion. But to sit here and say that he's not a top five defender and that he can't guard bigs, I, I don't buy that yeah. at all. That's there's there's a reason why the Warriors despite all of Draymond's antics, repeatedly resign him, repeatedly put up with, with his behavior, is because of how amazing of a defensive player he is. Um, if there's one thing about, about Draymond, Kylan, that really is, is puzzling to me, and I, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this in all honesty, and I'd love to actually get your thoughts on this. Until this last season, Draymond Green was your, your, your primary ball handler offensively on this team. He was the main person who would bring the ball up to court, um, his usage rate, I should probably look that up. Uh, I haven't done that recently, but his usage rate was normally really high because he was the primary facilitator for this offense this last season. And I brought this up with a few other people just out of the blue, because I've been thinking about it more and more, and it just doesn't make sense. This last season, we did not see Draymond handle the ball as much as he used to. Um, I don't know. Was Stephen Curry, uh, picked up the slack a lot more. You even saw Clay Thompson handling the ball a lot more. 
Um, I don't know why that is. Did you notice the same thing? And if you did, why do you think that is? I, I'm that's one thing I'm very puzzled about. I'm certainly gonna gonna look into that this year. But what are your thoughts on Draymond not handling the ball as much offensively? That's a curious stat and a curious point. Um, you know, thinking about it, I feel like one of the factors is the is that um the Warriors were really looking for Jordan Poole to try to lead the second unit. Um right. that's one thing that like I feel like the Warriors have experimented with as well was like staggering Steph and Draymond, possibly having Draymond run the floor in the non-Steph minutes, having Draymond try to get the second unit going, but then it's like, well, that's what we signed Jordan Poole for. He's supposed to be running the offense. Um, so I just would be curious to see if Jordan Poole's ball handling went up at all in light of Draymond Green's going down. Uh, because for whatever reason, I feel like <laughs> late in games, every game, I was like, why is why is Jordan Poole bringing the ball up? Why is this happening? Because something always seemed to go wrong. There was a crazy turnover, the ball bouncing off his leg or something happening. Um, and it, I feel like during critical points in the game, so many times this season, I was like, why is Jordan Poole bringing up the ball? Um, and then you also had Ty Jer Jerome, who stepped in and took on a pretty big role. Um, I know you're thrilled to hear about that. But I just wonder if that also could have been a factor because yeah. when Steph was hurt, and even when Steph wasn't hurt, I mean, the Warriors maxed out on their usage of Ty Jerome. And, you know, he was very clearly a ball handler and a one. It's not like he was playing off ball. And for whatever reason, Steve Kerr loved him. Steve Kerr loved Ty Jerome. He loved Anthony Lamb. Ty Jerome, I feel like, did run the offense quite a bit more than any other two-way player uh, you saw around the league. So I wonder <laughs> if that could be part of it. And I don't know that that, was a good thing. <laughs> um, but so that, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm as pulling. far as possibly why, that would be my only thoughts is that like Jordan Poole was handling the ball more. Ty Jerome was handling the ball more. Obviously, Steph typically is handling the ball quite a bit, but possibly those other two cut into Draymond uh, bringing the ball up and running the offense as much as he did. But I like Draymond running the offense. He's good vision. He's a good passer. Um, and he's not a ball hog in, in terms of dribbling. Like, Okay, I was going to say this is terrible. Not like a Jordan Poole. Not to say that he's a ball hog, but sometimes he dribbles too much. Um, Ty Jerome, I don't think was bad, uh, but I, I like Draymond Green actually running the offense. I think that's um, one of the special things about his skill set is the fact that he's so versatile and, and can do that. Yeah, I knew you're, I'm totally with you. Um, I think I found his usage rate on from a stat muse. Um, I'm just wanna, I'm just curious to see uh, what the comparison is. So his his usage rate in this last season was 13.3, and what that means is, uh, just in case you're you're curious about what usage means, it's a percentage of of the total amount of time he was on the court where the ball was actually in his hands, where he's actually mm -hmm. using the ball. Mm -hmm. That's the word usage. Um, so Draymond Green's usage rate in 2022-2023 was 13.3. Uh, a year earlier, the year they won the title, it was 14.3. Um, 2020, 2021, uh, it was 13.1. So that was comparable to this year. Uh, 2020, when the whole team was injured except for him and they were playing guys like Alec Burks and, and Glenn Robinson III most of the year, it was up to 15.8. Um, but it, it was really high in those championship years. So their first title that they won, Draymond Green's usage rate was 17.2. Uh, the 73 win season, his usage rate was 18.8. Uh, the first year with Kevin Durant here, his usage rate was 16.2. The second year of uh, Kevin Durant's uh, tenure with the Warriors, 17. What? Well, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Wait, 
First year with Kevin Durant, 16.2. Second year with Kevin Durant, 17.2. And again, 17.2 compared to 13.3 this last year. So it has gone down. Um, and I totally agree with you, though. I do think the Jordan Poole factor played a big part. Uh, you know, Ty Jerome might have played a part, having these traditional point guards. Because that's one yeah. thing, like, if you look at the, the, the Warriors title teams, they didn't really have, like, a traditional point guard on their roster for a lot of those years. That's a huge reason why, like, when Ty Jerome was getting all these minutes, I just kept going, asking myself and, you know, bring this up on the show, like, why? Yeah. Like, the Warriors have never had or needed this traditional point guard whose primary skill is ball handling, passing, facilitating the offense. They've usually had Draymond Green picking that slack up, and you're not losing anything by him doing that because you have this, this exceptional defender on the other side of the court. Um, so you might be right. It, 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 maybe it was Jordan Poole. Uh, I, I don't know. What, I don't know. Who knows? But um, yeah, it did go down though. So, um, what are your what are your thoughts, by the way, on uh, Mark Jackson? That, now that we can uh, jump into that, unless you have any final thoughts. Sorry, I don't mean to move on without. No, I think no, I think you hit it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what Draymond's usage is coming up this season, based on the way the roster is constructed. Because now you expect, speaking of traditional point guards, uh, Chris Paul to be on ball quite a bit. So, um, be curious to see if that impacts uh, Draymond running the floor. But yeah, I want to talk about Mark Jackson. So sorry. Go yeah, ahead. what are your thoughts on that? So Mark Jackson's out uh, at ESPN for some reason. Um, <laughs> for some reason, uh, they announced his departure like a month after they let go of Jeff Van Gundy. Um, I, I don't understand the timing of it. I, maybe they thought it could work um, in keeping him. Uh, so the, the speculation, from what I read, at least through like you know tabloidish type publications like the New York Post is that they wanted him to uh, man the number two broadcasting unit with Mark Jones. And the, the number one ESPN lineup is now going to be Mike Breen as your play-by-play, Doris Burke and Doc Rivers handling the color commentating. Um, and I don't know if, if Mark Jackson didn't want to be part of the second unit. I don't know if they, 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 they thought about it and decided, nah, this isn't worth it. He maybe makes too much money. I have no idea. What what yeah? What are your thoughts on on Doris Burke and Doc Rivers becoming the new number one uh, broadcasting unit, replacing uh, uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson? I am very excited to see Doris Burke be elevated in this way. If Doris Burke were to call the NBA championship this year, which seems like the writing's on the wall, she would be the first warm woman to ever call a championship in the United States in a professional sport. Wow. That is unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe that it's taken this long um, in the U.S. to reach this point. There are tons of women who are talented and knowledgeable in broadcasting, and Doris Burke's one of them. I mean, she knows the game of basketball. You know, she played herself. She was a coach for a long time. She's been an analyst in the NBA for decades. So if there's anyone who has worked hard, who knows the game, who deserves it, to be a woman to blaze a trail, it's certainly Doris Burke. So that's one thing I am really happy about is seeing her be elevated and, and you know, possibly being on the call for the NBA finals. Like, I just think that's a huge moment for women in sports that shouldn't be overlooked. Um, so appreciate Doris Burke. I really like her. She actually went on Andre Guadalla's podcast point forward a few months ago, two, three months ago. And he did a really good interview with her. Andre did. Um, that was fascinating. And she talked about a lot of like big moments in her career and, 
you know, about how nervous she was. She said she still gets imposter syndrome and gets nervous uh, before broadcast sometimes when she has a big broadcast. So for example, like an NBA playoff game or whatever that, you know, I just thought it was really fascinating to hear that she's kind of just like, just like the rest of us. Um, even though Doris Burke has been working for ESPN and on national broadcast for so long, she just seems like a really nice down to earth person. I don't know her personally, but I know a lot of connections that know her and everyone says that she's the best of the best. So Happy to see this moment for women. Happy to see this moment for her. Um, I think it's crazy. I mean, Mark Jackson has worked for ESPN for a long time, 15 years. Um, But, you know, a lot of shakeups happening across the network. So, I mean, you never want to see all these people getting laid off because it's beyond just the big names. It's beyond even just talent. There's people behind the scenes getting laid off who rely on these jobs. So that's always an unfortunate thing to see. But on the silver lining side, I think it's going to be cool to see Doris Burke on the finals. Absolutely. I had a, a old friend and, and uh, we were also old colleagues for a long time. Um, and she was a very high up individual at ESPN. Uh, she did. She left not too long ago and she made a good point to me and also heard this sentiment shared on uh, Bill Simmons's podcast, um, which is that every time ESPN goes to these layoffs, every time they make these big decisions, uh, where you see turnover in terms of on-camera personnel, especially. Um, the unfortunate part about all that is a lot of the people behind the scenes, and especially those who are making the big decisions, let's say for ESPN's programming, like the, the, the individuals producing the shows, the individuals who are deciding who's going to be on camera, like the individual who, who thinks uh, Kendrick Perkins is talented. Um, those people are still there. Whereas the people getting laid off are in front of the camera and, and, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, I mean, they were revered and known as the number one broadcast team in the NBA. I'm totally with you, by the way. I love Doris Burke. Uh, I have no issue with her being in the number one team. Um, And I respect her opinions. And, and, and she, and she has a lot of experience as well. Like she is as absolute credibility as a player, but when it comes to ESPN, um, like, their NBA coverage sucks. Like I I'm not a fan of theirs, especially I, I feel like if ESPN did not, if, or if we as consumers did not have um, TNT and the product they produce and more specifically the NBA on TNT. And it's not just their primary uh, panel. Like it's not just the Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Shaq, Ernie Johnson panel. It's also like the Tuesday night uh, program. It's also the NBA TV content, which is a direct correlation with the TNT crew. It's all under one umbrella now. And you see what they do, and it's fun. Uh, it's not rigid. Uh, they're they're picking talent who um, is is actually knows what the hell they're talking about. They're, you know, if, if they decide to say controversial things, they're not just saying it for the sake of getting attention, but they're actually there's they're substantive. And um, I, I see these two side by side, and I look at ESPN, and it's just amateur hour and. And, and it, I don't know if it's ever going to change until they actually replace the decision makers behind the scenes who are also making big money. Um, so that's my opinion on it. Strictly my opinion. Uh, what do you think, Kylan? What, what are your sentiments in terms of ESPN's production as a whole uh, and maybe more specifically with the NBA? I love TNT. I think that they set the gold standard. Like that's my favorite yeah. NBA coverage to watch by far. Um, I, you know, their main panel, I think is second to none. Um, gosh, what was it? I was watching a documentary about them. This uh, trying to think what network was on, but there was a whole like 
you know, just like a mini, you know, not a full like movie, but a whole like documentary basically about how they formed that group. It was fascinating. And the chemistry that they have and they've built on that show is just insane. Like it's fun. There are takes that are entertaining, but not so far that they're clickbaity. You know what I mean? When someone gives a take and you're like, this just seems fake. It seems like you're reaching for something. Like, I don't feel that way about the takes that are coming from Shaq or from like Charles Barkley says stuff. And, you know, Kenny seems very genuine, but it's, I don't, he doesn't give the impression that, like you said, he's, he's saying something for attention. He's saying something, you know, I don't know, to, to be corny. I just, I think it's fun banter. You know, I think it's funny. I think it's fun. Um, I enjoy it. I, I, you know, I think their calls are great. Um, like all the play-by-play broadcasters they use, like you said, they also have like a kind of a secondary crew they use on the desk. Like I agree. I, I just, I think TNT has done well in, you know, like you said, just marrying the entertainment side with being informative, um, yeah. and not having it be so stiff and so uptight. And, you know, I know that's something that, like I said, this documentary I watched, man, I'm gonna have to, I gotta look up what that was, but that was what they set out to do. Like they wanted to do it a little bit different and they wanted to make it more fun and they gave talent the freedom to like say hey if you guys have ideas if the producers have ideas like let's just go for it let's go all in on the show let's do something unique and not make it so stuffy and to me they've been super successful in doing that so that's my favorite um nba coverage i'm just gonna leave it at that absolutely and 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 like uh and it just remind me uh the nba on tnt has this producer um i forgot i forgot his name he's like the short dude uh um, uh, they call him like, like mighty dog or super dog. Yeah. I'm going to, I have his number. I'm going to, I've been trying for like almost a year to get him on this show. It just occurred to me like now is the perfect time. There's like nothing going on. So I'm going to try to get him on. I also didn't realize we've been talking for 37 minutes. Kyle. I know it's, Cyrus, we got to go. How, how did we do that? I, that's incredible. We had absolutely nothing on the, on the agenda and all, and we are 37 minutes later. Um, all right. So I guess we're done. You're going to your watch party. Uh, do you want yep. to promote that one more time for people watching live? Uh, yeah, there's going to be a watch and- party. It's it's down in San Jose, though. It's going to be at PayPal Park. I don't know where you all are l- viewing or listening from, but there is going to be one in PayPal Park. There's going to be food, drinks on sale, and stuff like that. So that's always cool to watch the U.S. Women's National Team game. And then there also is going to be a watch party in San Francisco at the San Francisco Athletic Club that's being hosted by Kick It 365 Soccer and Bay FC, the new women's professional team. So if anyone's looking to get out and do something tonight while this game's going on, uh, both in SF at the San Francisco Athletic Club and PayPal Park in San Jose are going to have gatherings. Woo! Love it. Go Dubs! Love it. Go U.S. Women's National Team. Go U.S. Uh, and it was and it's underdog is the end of it. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can get him on the show soon because um, I met him. I, I, I crossed paths with him a couple times, and the last time I saw him, I was like, dude, you want to come on? And he was all into it. I got his number. We've been texting back and forth, but it's been a few months, and, and this just reminded me. Kylan, have fun on your watch party tonight. Uh, thanks as always for helping 30 plus minutes fly by. Um, and we'll be back at this soon. We're good, right? Are we done? Anything else? Yeah, we're out. All right. Have a great night, folks. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. (laughs) I'm always waiting for you.